Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Truth. I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hessen, back once again with another episode here on The Truth. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we are continuing our divisional breakdown as we will venture from the AFC North Division to the NFC North Division. If you guys do not know what these divisional breakdowns are, pretty much I'm going to be breaking down each individual division Instead of doing what I've been doing the previous two years, which was doing a 32 teams in 32 days where I went over every single team in the NFL in 32 days leading up to the NFL season. Originally, it was going to be me and Ben uh, doing the kind of series together. Ben's become busy, so for the moment, it's going to just be me. And maybe down the line, the rest of these divisional shows will be me as well. Um, I'll try to get Ben or somebody in here maybe down the line, but it's fine just being me too because I have a lot of um, opinions, I guess. If you guys know, I'm very opinionated, and yeah, it's still going to be fun, especially here today with the NFC North Division. A quick side note, I do want to point out as well that um, my air conditioner that I'm sitting next to is going to be running for the show. If it sounds a little bit weird, I apologize, but... If you guys do not know the situation I'm currently in, um, my house is 98 degrees. So I'm going to sacrifice a little bit of the audio um, in hopes that I'm able to stay alive and be able to function while I'm recording here on The Truth. Of course, the one time I start the podcast is making its typical noise it makes once every day. So sorry about that. And uh, yeah, without further ado, let's go ahead and hop into the first team in the NFC North Division the Green Bay Packers. I forgot to mention too, um, how I do these is each team follows the same format. I'll go over my three key players for the team, then my one key draft and free agent signing, one bust, one sleeper, my team MVP, my three keys for the team's success, and then my prediction for the upcoming year. With the Green Bay Packers, the first key player is obvious. It's back-to-back MVP and former Super Bowl champ, Aaron Rodgers, as my air conditioner just sounded like it crashed. Anyways, Aaron Rodgers, obviously the centerpiece of the Green Bay Packers team. He does lose his boyfriend slash best friend slash whatever, courtesy, blanket, whatever you want to call him, Devontae Adams to the Oak or Las Vegas Raiders, rather. Rodgers entered the season in unfamiliar territory. Typically, he's got that one guy. Um, it's been Devontae Adams. Maybe previously, you could argue, is Randall Cobb. And honestly, has just taken the offense by storm, especially for the Green Bay Packers in the past couple of years. Going into this year and where he's at in his career as far as age and um, I guess you could say playing is concerned, it's a little bit concerning if you're a Packers fan. Um, very good if you're a Vikings fan like myself. But there's a lot of uncertainty on that Green Bay Packers team and something to definitely keep an eye on this year. Aaron Rodgers is still going to be Aaron Rodgers and he's going to play like Aaron Rodgers throughout the year. So there's no need to worry from a standpoint of how Rodgers will be. I think the biggest concern for Packers fans is how good will the Packers offense be? Because you do have good running backs, Tanyan um, at the tight end position, and then obviously your wide receivers, most of it was Devontae Adams. Can the other receivers on that team step up to the plate and become Rodgers' maybe next best players on that team and help them have success to ultimately contend for the NFC North crown and continue for a Lombardi trophy? Aaron Jones is going to be my second key player. You can also make the argument that A.J. Dillon is going to be a key player as well. I honestly should just put the Packers and running backs because they do split time, especially as of last year. But the running game more than ever is going to be very important for the Green Bay Packers. I feel like the Packers and really every team in the NFC North Division really has an emphasis on defense as well as running the football to establish the passing game. With having Aaron Rodgers, it's easier to kind of establish the running game or not really need to because of his talent and the way he is able to play the quarterback position. But this year with Rodgers not having the weapons that he usually has to throw to, it definitely can spark a lot of concerns um, in the passing game. And so having that established running game can be vital for the Packers to still have success this year, even if Rodgers doesn't have his main targets to throw to. Also, both running backs, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, do have very good pass-catching abilities as well. So I expect their PPR production to go up too. Um, so if you're looking at drafting one of those two guys, I think you could win-win either or, if not both, because they're going to get those catches, especially with Devontae Adams gone. And overall, they're just going to have a uh, pretty solid team on that offensive side for the most part in hopes of getting Rodgers' kind of weapons, I guess you could call it, um, you know, down the stretch. 
And then finally, I'm going to go with Jair Alexander. Um, I could have gone with another offensive player. Typically, I don't like doing so, but with the Packers, I wanted to go with a defensive player, and I think Jair Alexander is going to be one of the key players on that defensive side. Dean Lowry, Kenny Clark on the line, Smith in the linebacker position, Amos, and then Stokes in the secondary. Jair kind of fits into one of those veteran leaderships or those veteran roles that maybe the Packers were kind of hoping when they did end up uh, picking him up and having him on his team. He is um, still relatively young in the league. He was drafted in 2018, so he's got tons of talent down the line. Honestly, I think he's been one of the better cornerbacks in the league. I think more than anything, he fits the Packers' defensive system well, which is very vital um, for players and teams, rather, to make sure that the chemistry and as well as kind of like the program they're following is very similar. I do believe that's the case with him as well. So honestly, tremendous upside and tremendous talent for Jair Alexander. I think he's going to be one of those vocal points on the defensive side. And even though he's relatively young in the league, he's still going to be able to use his veteran leadership to help the defense kind of stay in there and, um, you know, have a fighting chance pretty much. Going into my key draft pick, it was definitely the second rounder, Christian Walker, wide receiver from North Dakota State, in my opinion. I've mentioned this a lot, and I'll continue mentioning it for the Packers, but losing Devontae Adams, I think a lot of people don't realize how vital that was until they start watching the NFL season kind of go along. And Christian Walker kind of has a similar play style as Devontae Adams, so in a way they lost Devontae Adams um, with, you know, whatever, but... You know, kind of in that wide receiver three, wide receiver four, I think he's going to be a very vital player and a very good player. He comes from a very good program. Yeah, he didn't play Division One because North Dakota State's an FCS school. But still, look at Trey Lance, for example. Obviously, he's new to the league. But players from North Dakota State typically are good players, and I think Christian Watson is definitely up there. In my opinion, he's a little bit – or got drafted a little bit higher on my board. I has him as an end second round, early third round uh, selection in this year's draft class. That doesn't mean that that's – a bad rap for him. I just thought, you know, play style wise, he would kind of develop as one of those players. But with the Packers, he fits well. And honestly, the biggest storyline from this is he went out and got the best available receiver that the Packers felt could help Aaron Rodgers be success and kind of fill into that role. So really like his upside. I'm not too sure how much of an impact he's going to have this year, but I think in future years to come, especially with how the, the Packers kind of shape their team, whether it's with Jordan Love or a different quarterback, the Packers are looking at a good step moving forward. And sticking with wide receiver for my free agent signing, I'm going to go with the veteran Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins has had a very up-and-down career, I guess you could say. Obviously, he's one of the more well-known players on that team. Um, but last year, only 27 receptions, 394 yards, and one touchdown. He's entering his 10th or 9th season, I believe, or 8th season, rather, I believe. Um, so overall, you know, he's got some age to him. He's probably got a couple good more years left, and he's kind of past his prime. But still, honestly, he's going to be a good veteran wide receiver to target to. Rodgers kind of has this as a safety blanket alongside Lazard and Cobb at the wide receiver position. Having Watkins and Cobb, too, um, it feels like, I guess, more of a comfort thing for Rodgers, knowing that he has a good third down or tight situation wide receiver to throw to. And it was good for the Packers to lose Devontae Adams, but also to pick up two solid receivers to kind of fill in a spot. And I think they did a really good job of that. The biggest storyline is definitely going to be how are they going to play and are they going to have any successes. My bus is going to be Preston Smith. I've never really been a big Preston Smith fan um, throughout his career, especially with Green Bay. Not too sure why, if I'm going to be honest. He is, again, one of those veteran players on the defensive side. I think the biggest thing that kind of scares me is his speed. Not really known for his speed, and that's not typical out of the left outside linebacker position. But being 6'5", 265 pounds, you know, you're not going to be very explosive compared to the, some of the faster ride receivers and running backs in today's game. And maybe that's my biggest concern with Preston Smith is just because of the game kind of sh shifting to more of a um, faster, really at any position from quarterbacks all the way even to linemen, um, a faster kind of archetype to prototype. You see some of these veteran players that are bigger in size and not as um, I guess athletic, which isn't a good word to use because pretty much every NFL player is athletic. I think the more of the story is if he was a little bit faster and the league was kind of the way it was back in 2015 when he was drafted out of the second round, I think he'd have more of an impact. I think this year um, it's just going to kind of be wear and tear on him, especially for his age and kind of where he's at in the league. But we'll see. Um, linebacker position is going to be vital for the Packers this year. My sleeper is going to be Eric Stokes. I think this is a lot of guy people aren't really focusing on. And I'm going to explain why I think he's going to be a big player for the Green Bay Packers. 
entering his second season last year, had one interception, which obviously doesn't jump out of the page. The 43 tackles and in his rookie season, honestly, he is a very vital piece for that Packers defense moving forward. He's very fast. Honestly, one of the fastest cornerbacks in the NFL, in my opinion. And again, going against some of those wide receivers, especially in the NFC North, such as Jay Jets, um, even Darnell Mooney, for example. Speed's going to contend, and he's able to tackle at his position, which for cornerbacks, I feel like is kind of hard to come by. So Eric Stokes, I think, is going to have a really good year this year, at least for his standards, in the second year in the NFL. I wouldn't blow, or I wouldn't be surprised if Eric Stokes maybe gets four or five uh, interceptions and almost doubles his tackle totals, just because I think he's going to get a lot of um, kind of targets thrown to. The Packers are going to use him against some good players on the offensive side for opposing teams. And I think Eric Stokes has a bright future in Green Bay and a bright future here in the NFL, especially in this season. My team MVP is going to be obvious. I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers, without a doubt. You can say what you want to say about Aaron Rodgers, especially the past couple of years with a lot of uncertainty being in Green Bay, the way he's kind of handled himself and kind of handled himself with the team and all whatnot, and especially losing Devontae Adams. I still think Rodgers is going to be the MVP. It really wouldn't blow it by me, though, if the running backs combined end up having a better season. But at the end of the day, the running game can only do so much, especially in the NFC North where defense is very valuable. Running games are going to get stopped very easily, and they're going to have to rely on their passing abilities. And that's where the Packers had thrived previously in their career, earlier in his career um, with the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, if you need a good passing quarterback, Aaron Rodgers is your guy. The biggest thing for the Packers is weapons. And kind of getting a couple, it kind of makes some sense. But biggest thing is will Rodgers adjust? Because if Rodgers doesn't like you and, he's not, and he doesn't want to throw the ball to you, he's not going to throw the ball to you. He's a well-experienced quarterback and is definitely on his way to Canton, so he knows what he's doing. I still think he's going to be the team MVP and not contend for an NFL MVP for a 3 P, but still be a relatively good quarterback in the league. My three keys to success. The first one is going to be the running game. I think this is obvious. If the running game's not there, there's no chance the passing game's going to be there, and there's no chance that the Packers are going to win. Like I mentioned previously with the running backs earlier on in the key players, the Packers really need to put an emphasis on running the football and I'll really be surprised if they try to go with a pass-first offense just because of the situation they're in. Matt LaFleur, I feel like, doesn't get enough credit just because get enough credit just because of Aaron Rodgers and how the offense operates. But this is really going to be a telling year for the Packers and Matt LaFleur. If Matt LaFleur is able to put the Packers to make the playoffs or even win the NFC North Division, he's got to get a lot of praise for the work that he's been or he will be able to do um, for the Packers offense, staying in the position that it's going to be in. But all the success is going to stem from the running game, and if one or two running backs stay healthy, as well as have a good year. The defense. The defense isn't one of those defenses that's going to jump out on the page. It's a good defense. I feel like more of a veteran defense for the most part, especially in the interior portion, um, and a lot of young guys in the secondary, which honestly is not a bad combination to have. It really isn't. The biggest thing is, are they going to be able to manage that well, and are they going to be able to keep their team in the game to win? I do believe it's going to happen. Um, it's just going to be a matter of time. And then finally, does Rodgers have enough weapons? And that's a big word right there, enough weapons to survive. Can Aaron Rodgers scramble and move out of the pocket? Sure. Is he going to be running like Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray? Absolutely not. Will he be able to throw to the people that he needs to throw to to get those big third-down conversions? That's the biggest question mark, and that's the thing that scares me the most about the Packers team this year. If you're a Packers fan, you're obviously going to have optimism no matter how much how long Aaron Rodgers is playing in Green Bay. The biggest thing this year is, is he going to be successful enough to help the Packers move back to the playoffs? We'll definitely see what's going to happen down the line. I just don't know if it's going to be enough. As far as predictions go, maybe it's because I hate the Packers and maybe it's just because I'm not buying high on them this year. I have them finishing 10-7 and and second in the division. I really think the Packers are going to start out rough. I think it's going to be a big culture shock for not only Rodgers and the offense, but for the defense as well to kind of get back to the original offense that they were expecting or maybe had thought of previously that was going to work and just not having Devonte or just losing Devonte Adams alone is going to be detrimental. And I really just don't think people are expecting that. We'll see what happens. Hopefully they do finish at least second because that helps my Vikings who I'm very excited to talk about a little bit later in the show. But for now, the Packers are still a team that can easily contend for the NFC North. And honestly, if they get enough weapons or camaraderie, or even the offense is clicking on all cylinders, they can really contend for another Super Bowl again. So we'll see what happens with the Green Bay Packers, but it's definitely going to be an interesting year for the Chiefs.
bear down, Chicago Bears. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the Chicago Bears are the next team we're going to be covering here in the NFC North Division. Let's go ahead and give you my three key players for the Bears this year. The first one's going to be Roquan Smith. Uh, Roquan Smith is kind of in the middle of a sticky situation in Chicago. Obviously, um, at first when he tried signing with them, he was unhappy with the deal. And it took a while for him to kind of get rolling with the Chicago Bears. But when he's been there, he's actually had a really solid career for them. Particularly last year, he was ninety, or he had 95 tackles, which were ranked sixth last year. And then also had three sacks, which isn't huge, but the ability to know that he's going to tackle and be one of the interior line or linebackers that they were expecting is really going to be huge for the Bears this season. More than ever, the Bears really just got to play Bears football. And what's Bears football, you may ask? It's Cody Parkey kicking field goals. No, in reality, though, it's the Chicago Bears defense. Um, every year, the Chicago Bears have a really good defense and a really bad offense, in my opinion. Honestly, the Bears haven't had a good offense really since the Jay Cutler era, and that's kind of being generous too because Jay Cutler was spotty here and there. The Bears pride themselves on the defense probably any more or probably as much as any team in football, if I'm going to be honest, which is good in some aspects, but it's also bad if there really is like not anything to come by moving forward because if the Bears' defense sucks, their offense is going to suck, and they're going to suck overall, and that's not a sight to see. With Roquan Smith playing the linebacker position, especially this year, he's definitely going to be a difference maker from the first snap. Obviously, he's going to be very good. Um, he's going to be one of those leaders on the defensive side. But more than ever, he's kind of been thrown into this veteran role at such a young age that he needs to step up to the plate. And if he's able to do that, I'd really like the Bears' chances this year. Eddie Jackson is another guy I'm going to put on here. Eddie Jackson, again, fourth-round selection from Chicago in 2017. Interesting year this year for Eddie Jackson, or I should say previously. Stats overall were down from his career, which is interesting to say the least. But really this year, I'm expecting a bounce back year, and a really key point for Eddie Jackson this year is his ability to make those tackles downfield. Because in reality, it's going to be hard for teams to go through the linebacker core, that second level on the defensive side. And if Eddie Jackson is able to help out, whether that's in the pass coverage game or if or whether that's in the defensive game overall, he'll definitely need to be a difference maker from the get-go. And honestly, again, similar situation, situation with Roquan. I think more than ever, they really need a good player to step up, a younger player to step up in a veteran role. And this is potentially going to be your guy to do so alongside Roquan Smith. Finally, my final key player is just obviously it's Justin Fields. Justin Fields, interesting to say the least. Um, the Bears traded up for him last year. Rough year for Justin Fields, if we're going to be honest. He had seven touchdowns and 10 interceptions. Every time you have more interceptions than touchdowns, it's never really a good sign. They don't really have good backup depth either. Uh, Trevor Simeon and Nathan Peterman are the ones to back up Justin Fields. Overall, um, I think a lot of people are expecting high things from Justin Fields this year, and it's definitely not far out of reach. The kid's potential is through the roof. Being an Iowa Hawkeye fan, I watched him play for Ohio State and really kind of seen how well he could be. Honestly, in a way, I feel like he's a young just Josh Allen. The biggest area of concern with Fields, I think, is just his accuracy, to say the least. But overall, he's a good running quarterback. He's going to get you know make his play some plays with his legs. And honestly, you know, three, four years from now, is he going to be the franchise quarterback that the Bears opted to see when they went up and got Justin Fields got, when they got rid of as well, when they got rid of uh, Mitch Trubisky? Moving into my uh, key draft pick signing, I'm going to go with Braxton Jones, a fifth rounder from Utah State. In my opinion, Braxton Jones at the tackle position was worthy of a third rounder. Utah State, not necessarily known for being an elite college school to say the least, but still, um, very high on tackles from Utah State and very high from kind of offensive alignment in general from that college. They build an emphasis on that. And he's also a very good run blocker at the tackle position. You think the guards are really the big run blockers on the offensive line, whereas the tackles more are the pass protectors. And that's true, but in a sense, Braxton Jones, you can argue, has been a better run blocker in his career there compared to a pass blocker which for the Bears is huge because their running game is similarly to the Packers and the fact that they need to establish the running game before they have any chance of getting the passing game going. 
Although Braxton Jones is a good run blocker, his primary, I guess, blocking, you could say, is more of the passing game. But still having that ability, which some tackles don't, even veteran tackles in the NFL don't have, is going to be huge for the Bears moving forward. Free agent signing, I'm going to go with Nikhil Harry, a wide receiver from the Pats. Here in the NFC North, wide receivers, um, really besides the Vikings, were kind of at a premium ever since Devontae Adams left. The Bears never really had a good wide receiver core, and the Lions went out and got a haul of wide receivers. So there's a lot of wide receivers coming from different divisions to the NFC North, and Nikhil Harry is one of those guys. And honestly, it was actually good for the Bears to go out and get him. Obviously, Nikhil Harry, interesting career with the Patriots. Not necessarily the greatest career. I think a lot of people are expecting a little bit more from him coming out of Arizona State. But still, he kind of gets a new home and a new second chance with the Bears. And honestly, it's a good fit. He's going to have an impact from week one. And I feel like that was something that was kind of hoped for in the Patriots uniform. It just wasn't really accomplished. Justin Fields has already uh, expressed a connection with Nikhil Harry through training camp. And I'm really excited to see these two kind of hook up this season and where the potential between the two of them can go. Looking at my bust for the Bears, it's going to be David Montgomery. David Montgomery is the main running back for Chicago Bears, and he has been for a period of time. Khalil Herbert made an entrance as well um, last year. Montgomery was hurt. And honestly, stepped up pretty well on the plate. But still, David Montgomery is going to be that main back in Chicago. Coming out of Ohio or Iowa State rather in 2019, Montgomery has had an up-and-down career, to say the least, at least to start. Honestly, he's really good in the terms of holding the football, which if you're going to stress running the football, you want to make sure you have a back that's going to be able to hold on to it. And David Montgomery does a good job. Last year, he ran for average about uh, 4.1 yards and had seven touchdowns, which, which isn't horrible. He ranked ninth in attempts at the running back position, so he got fed a healthy dose. I think he's going to get fed a lot more this year as well, um, and I think he's going to break the 1,000-yard mark. The only area of concern I have for him is his ability to stay healthy. And I really think this year, more than ever, that health is going to be the biggest question mark. If he um, is kind of, so I did put him on my bus, but it's kind of like a bus sleeper type deal. If he's able to stay healthy, I really do see him becoming a sleeper. The biggest thing is it wouldn't blow past me, knock on wood, I don't prevent injuries. But if he were to get injured in the first couple of weeks, it might be hard to bounce back this year and they might just be stuck with Herbert which isn't the worst case scenario, but still, with David Montgomery being your lead back, you kind of want to have an emphasis on getting him the football and moving forward. My sleeper is going to be Cole Komet. I really like Cole Komet. I think I ranked him as one of my top tight ends in the 2020 draft class. He made his way to Chicago and honestly has made a great impact thus far. Notre Dame is really good at producing tight ends alongside colleges like Iowa, um, Ohio State even uh, potentially. But Notre Dame and Iowa, I'd say, are the two biggest tight end schools to kind of develop. Kyle Rudolph went to Notre Dame as well and had a very good career with the Vikings and is still playing now for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What makes Cole Komet special compared to other tight ends in the league alongside players and tight ends from Notre Dame is their ability to run block as well as pass catch. I talk a lot about this a lot with tight ends, but Cole Komet really established himself as a good running blocking tight end. And although you would rather get catches in the tight end position and have a high-powered offense, that's honestly just not the case with the Bears. He knows that, and it's kind of understands his role with that. Cole Komet, though, this year I think is going to get more receptions, more yards, and get a touchdown at least. He didn't get one last year. And that's probably the biggest area of concern for fantasy owners, and that's respectable. But this year I really do believe Justin Fields is going to look to Komet more, especially if they're running the football effectively, which helps opens the play-action pass. I really expect Cole Komet this year to be a sleeper, and honestly he's above or he's a high on my draft boards. The biggest area of concern is, will he be able to hook up with Justin Fields? And I think the biggest telltale of that is going to be um, on the first couple weeks of the year. Darnell Mooney is going to be my team MVP. This one's interesting because I feel like a lot of Bears fans think Darnell Mo- Mooney is like the next Tyreek Hill or whatever. And he's a good player, don't get me wrong. Especially in the fifth round when you went out and got a guy like him out of Tulane, it's huge. Had a good year last year, 81 receptions, 1,000 yards, 4 touchdowns, and I really think this year he's going to improve tremendously. Justin Fields saw the connection with Mooney early on, and he's going to continue to look and throw to him. With a young quarterback like Justin Fields trying to still kind of assert his name into the NFL and kind of bring on that next stage of being a quarterback in the NFL, he's got to have that one reliable option, and it's definitely been Darnell Mooney. As far as I'm concerned, Darnell Mooney and... Uh, Nikhil Harry, as well as Cole Komet, 
are your only three options to throw to on the offensive side as far as wide receivers and tight ends are concerned. But expect Mooney to maybe break a th- 100 receptions and maybe 1,200 yards to go along with six or seven touchdowns. I'm really high on Darnell Mooney this year, and although you need a good quarterback to throw to, I still think Darnell Mooney at the end of the day will be the best player on the Chicago Bears team. Moving into my three keys to success, the biggest one, defense wins championships, and that cannot ring any more true with the Chicago Bears. It doesn't matter if they're in 1980 when they won the Super Bowl or if it's 2020 when I guess you're contending for a Super Bowl. Defense wins championships, and it's never been prevalent now. Their defense doesn't do anything. They're not going to do anything. That's the bottom line. And that's really scary if you're a Bears fan because you know your offense is screwed if your defense is going to do anything. The wide receivers need to step up, and that's going to be a big thing. Obviously, Fields is still trying to cement himself in the league, and it's fine to have time to do that. But the biggest thing, if the wide receivers are able to help him out, it makes Justin Fields' job a lot easier and helps him feel more comfortable and helps him lead that offense at a better pace if he were to not be comfortable as some people were thinking that he might not be just because of his experience and where he's been at. I'd be very curious to see, too, um, down the line, if he's going to have any success um, throwing to a certain receiver other than Darnell Mooney or even Kulkman at the tight end position, just because there's a lot of question marks surrounding his ability to perform at the NFL level. But nonetheless, the wide receivers do need to step up. Coaching needs to be at a premium, um, especially in times of need. I mentioned this about Matt LaFleur. Um, the coaching needs to really step up and, and show why um, they deserve to be coaching in the NFL, I guess is a good way to put it. But on top of that, um, you look at a team like the Bears who kind of are just, I mean, ever since the Cody Parkey thing, it's always been an interesting season, I guess you could say. Matt Eberflus, I can never say his name right, um, is going to be the coach looking into this year. So his first year, he's got to prove himself. It's hard to do. But a lot of young coaches struggle with that just because it's one of those things you kind of have to do. And you could get away if you had a good team. The issue is the Bears just don't have a good team. And that's why I'm putting them at a 5-12 and 12 record and finishing fourth in the division. It's really hard to put the Lions ahead of them, but I really don't buy the Bears hype train whatsoever. And I think down the line, looking back at this, this is going to be a mockery of a season for the Bears. And they really need to make a mark going forward if they want to have any chance of kind of turning the season around or their, uh, I guess, chances around of doing anything down the line so we'll see what happens with the bears but i'm not expecting anything um too major to be happening and it's going to be a def- def- definitely a disappointing year for the bear down chicago bears two down in the nfc north two more to go and i have never been more happy to do a divisional breakdown with my team the minnesota vikings skull nation we are back for our 2022 campaign and i cannot be more excited let's jump into it my first key player for the vikings is cookie chef cook dalvin cook whatever you want to call him the man the myth the legend himself dalvin cook burst out of the scene out of florida state in the second round for the minnesota vikings and honestly besides being injured to start his career has really produced a really good campaign this far as far as fantasy is concerned he's always one of the top five top three running backs taken every year now, with the Minnesota Vikings, his role has definitely been valuable, and he's definitely kind of asserted himself as well. He's also brought his buddy Alexander Madison to join the fight, as Madison looked exactly like Dalvin Cook. The only thing is they have different names. That's literally the only difference between the two. The Minnesota football, the Minnesota football team, the Minnesota Vikings, rather, have prided themselves on running the football and establishing the running game at the early parts of their campaign compared to um, previous years not too long ago when it was more of an emphasis to pass the ball, which was forever ago, it feels like. But still, the offense runs around Dalvin Cook, and I expect the same thing to continue um, this year. Kirk Cousins, the man, the myth, the legend as well. This is the most underrated quarterback in football. I'm not going to go into too much why I believe so, just because, A, people aren't going to listen to me, and, B, I'll talk about that more in my fantasy show. But still, Captain Kirk, it feels like every year, especially when we first got him, it was like, we cannot wait for his contract to be over. And then, just mysteriously, every time at the end of his contract, with one year remaining, he would get an extra two years extension for more money. So, in a way, the Vikings are really investing heavily in Kirk Cousins. And I do like Kirk Cousins. I just don't like the contract that he keeps getting because, honestly, Kirk Cousins isn't worth all that money that the Vikings would give him. In my opinion, he's a good quarterback, a top seven in the league. 
But is he really worth all that money that we're throwing at him? I do not know. Still this year, especially with the offense supposedly, supposedly in quotation marks, switching more to a pass-first offense, supposedly Kirk Cousins is going to need to really show why he deserves his money if that's what they're doing. Because a lot of times, especially with Vikings football, it was the play-action game that Kirk Cousins made his money. And honestly, that's where he has most of his success. So be curious to see how the Vikings passing game does kind of change if they are able to do so. Um, wouldn't be a big fan of it unless it really works. The biggest thing is Kirk Cousins likes to hold the football too long, and holding the football too long at the quarterback position really doesn't get you anywhere. So we'll see uh, what happens down the line for Kirk Cousins. And then sticking on the offensive side, i got to go with Jay Jets as my third key player. Broke out into the league last year, one of the best wide receivers in football. Everybody knows that. He is famously known for the gritty. Yes, he was the one that created it, not Jamar Chase. So you guys that are Jamar Chase fans, Suck it. It was all Jay Jets. This year, though, um, him and Thielen, the two main guys for that offense on the wide receiver aspect of things, I'm really expecting another great year. And fantasy purposes, he's right now going as a number two overall fantasy player, which is a gamble in a way, but it's also kind of proven that he's very good um, when it comes to playing football, I guess, and especially at the wide receiver position. I'm really excited to see what Jay Jets can do here in a sophomore campaign. And obviously, he's going to be one of those bright spots that Vikings offense. Let's take a look at a couple, or I guess a key draft player, as well as a free agent signing. Second rounder, Andrew Booth Jr. from Clemson. I had Andrew Booth going in the first round. The Vikings are famous for trading down picks every time they get a first or second round pick. They did it again this year, but it ended up working out well when they were able to get Andrew Booth Jr. cornerback out of LSU. The biggest thing I have an issue with the Vikings is, A, they trade down a lot of picks, but B, every year it feels like our first pick, no matter who it is or who is on the board, it is always a cornerback or a secondary member. Lewis Sine Lewis was drafted first for the Vikings this year, and Andrew Booth followed him right behind. Honestly, the only fat, sad thing about the Vikings is they draft all these cornerbacks, and most of them don't really end up panning out. So it's a tough situation to be in if you're a Vikings fan. Um, Jeff Gladney, um, not to bring up any sour notes, he didn't have a good time in Minnesota. He was a very anticipated cornerback. Obviously, he passed away. I'm not trying to bring it up, but just as an example of kind of the cornerbacks that have been kind of going through the Minnesota system that really just don't do well. It makes more sense for an Andrew Booth trade, I mean, uh, Andrew Booth or even a Lewis Sine or even Jeff Gladney for that matter, under a Mike Zimmer coach team. But now that it's Kevin O'Connell, Instead of Mike Zimmer, it kind of raises a lot of question marks on where the Vikings are going with that because they need a new defensive coordinator. Or at least they need a new man calling the, the plays on the defensive side because uh, Mike Zimmer used to do uh, you know the defensive play calls. And so it'll be very curious to see who ends up being the lead horse in um, kind of calling those plays on the defensive side. They did name Ed Donatel as a defensive uh, coordinator who came from the Bills, so kind of has some experience there. We'll see what happens, too, because Mike Zimmer had some interesting, um, I guess you could say, defensive schemes uh, until he was no longer the coach of the Vikings. But kind of a new era in Minnesota as well. You see a lot of these new eras happening for teams that are rebuilding, and since the Vikings are Super Bowl contenders, or contending for a Super Bowl, rather, it's kind of weird to see a completely new change of things, but I guess that's just how it works sometimes. Um, and then Zadarius Smith, edge from the Packers. This was definitely the biggest move that the Vikings were able to do, go out and get a guy. It's still a guy in the division um, to help when he faced the Packers, not have to deal with Zadarius Smith. But being in the edge position, Zadarius Smith is a def definitely a defensive mastermind or def defensive weapon, I should say. Going to be huge for the Vikings defensive line slash edge position, position uh, like I mentioned. Very excited to do see what he's going to do this year. Jordan Hicks um, and Eric Kendricks kind of round out that edge linebacker position. And the offensive line is definitely a little bit concerning. So we'll see what happens moving forward. I'd be very curious to see, too, um, how this kind of plays out and kind of see where um, the, the Vikings shift as far as defense is concerned, whether it's blitzing or coming back in coverage. It's really hard to tell, but Ed Donatel has definitely been in the league for over 30 years as far as coaching. So he knows a thing or two about football, and I'm really excited to have Zadarius Smith be a member of the Minnesota Vikings. My bust, I hate to do this, but I'm going to go with Patrick Peterson. Peterson's kind of getting up there in age. I wasn't a big Patrick Peterson fan 
um, previously when he was with the Vikings in his first season last year. It's not that he wasn't good. Um, he definitely was good. The biggest thing with Zadarius, I'm sorry, Zadarius Smith, with Patrick Peterson is honestly his age and kind of what factors into that is his speed. He's getting older and facing some of these better wide receivers in, you know, the football. It might be difficult to, I guess, contend. He only had one interception last year and only 34 tackles. Now, he did deal with some time off the field. That's understandable. But it comes to a point, too, where if you're a veteran leader, you kind of have to step up to the plate. Be very curious to see um, how he fits into the cornerback role for the Vikings this year. I just don't see him having a good year which sucks to say because he is a veteran leader on that quarterback position. But in in turn, if he ends up, you know, kind of not being a good player, but more of a good veteran leader and helps some younger guys develop, that'd be huge as well. So we'll see what his impact is this year. But on the field, I'm not a big fan. Adam Thielen is my sleeper. Adam Thielen, talk about a story. Undrafted, came up to a tryout, made the team, has really made a name for himself. The past two years, though, as far as fantasy and overall NFL is concerned, he's been dealing with injuries, missed some time, and hasn't been that reliable option. He still ranks with wide receivers as among the top as far as reception touchdowns, and Captain Kirk loves throwing to Thielen just because of his hands. He's got tremendous hands and the ability to catch the ball, which sounds simple until you're actually doing it. You'll see a difference this year for Thielen, 100% healthy back on the field, and also, too, if the Vikings are switching to a pass-first offense, Adam Thielen has got to step up to the plate, and I think he will. A lot of teams are going to be definitely double-covering um, Justin Jefferson, and respectively so, but that frees up a guy like Adam Thielen to go across seam and catch those balls and get even more receptions and touchdowns. So really expect a breakout year for Adam Thielen. And then my team MVP has got to be none other than Dalvin Cook. I'd love to put Kirk Cousins here, um, but honestly, Dalvin Cook, in my opinion, is the best player on the Vikings team, especially when he stays healthy. If they are switching to a pass-first kind of offense, Dalvin Cook is still a very good pass catcher. He's improved it as his years gone on in the NFL. And honestly, he's a really good pass catcher. And so I think in a way, too, kind of the way that um, O'Connell came over from the Rams offensive side with Sean McVay, it's going to implement similar things, and that actually does include Dalvin Cook in the passing game. And I think more than anything, having him in the passing game is going to help, whether you're switching to a passing-first offense or if you're sticking to a running-first offense. My three keys to success. Win the games you should. The Vikings should win games that they should, and it's simple as that. It sounds stupid to say out loud, but it really is that simple. The Vikings had lost to teams like the Lions, for example, that were winless. They really would beat teams that were good and would lose to teams that are bad. This is an issue that some teams have in the NFL, but you look at teams that win a Super Bowl, they win the games that they're supposed to or the ones that they're favorited, especially if they're majorly favorited. The Vikings need to find a way to go down the field. Captain Kirk needs to lead them down, and the Vikings need to come out with a statement drive and win the game. This should honestly have been the first key to success, but handle the first two minutes, the final two minutes of the half, particularly the last half of the game. The Vikings, by far, and it wasn't even close, there's a stat that I don't even want to look at again because it made me embarrassed to be a Vikings fan, but the amount of points that the Vikings let up in the final two minutes of a half was a disaster. Whether it was in the first half, they would give up a touchdown, lose by a touchdown, or lose by three. In the second half, they'd give up a touchdown or just lose in general. It was such a crappy situation. Honestly, I believe in the first 13 games, sorry, 14 games, 13 of them, a opposing team marched on the field and scored in the final two minutes of the half. Two game winners, I believe, um, for the Vikings defense giving up. Thankfully, that era is over with Mike Zimmer because Mike Zimmer's coaching was just no longer a part of the NFL. If it was vintage Mike Zimmer when he first got the job in Minnesota, his coaching would have been phenomenal. But since it wasn't, his coaching was dog shit. On the flip side of that, new kind of era, new kind of look, but they need to figure out how to handle the final two minutes of a half because if they're not able to do that, the Vikings are definitely screwed. And as well, if they're able to do that, it helps the win-loss ratio and gives you kind of more of an option to have success as well as kind of take, I guess not take away points because you're on the defensive side, but limit your opponent to get more points um, instead of scoring points that end up being the difference maker down the line. And finally, Captain Kirk proved the haters wrong. Everybody's going to hate on Kirk Cousins, and there is an argument to be made, but the bottom line is the Vikings offense isn't the Vikings offense without Kirk Cousins. Sure, Kirk Cousins isn't going to run the football. He's a pocket passer. Everybody knows that. The biggest area of success that the Vikings have is when they run play action and run the football effectively. 
When you run the football effectively, Kirk Cousins is way better on the run coming out of play action than he is standing there and sitting in the pocket. Why? Because in play action, A, you typically have less options to throw to, and B, when you're sitting in the pocket waiting, especially with Kirk Cousins, he holds on to the ball too long and ends up losing the ball, getting sacked, anything like that, and that's never a good sign too. This year, though, he's definitely got to prove the haters wrong, and I really think he's going to, and I think he's going to lead the Vikings to a division win. It really helps this year that the Packers are no longer contending. Well, I, I guess they are still contending. That was a bad way to put it. They no longer have Devontae Adams. So I have the Vikings finishing 12-5 and five and finishing first in the division. It is a new coach, and it is a little bit of an adjustment going from a new our old coach to a new coach, especially with Zimmer and the way he coached the Vikings as a whole. But I really do believe in O'Connell this year coming from a Super Bowl winning system and winning a Super Bowl. And being the offensive coordinator is going to be a difference maker. The Vikings are going to have tons of success if they're able to kind of keep Kirk Cousins in his playing grass and kind of keeping him in front of what he needs to do. I think maybe it might be a little shaky at first, but that's expected. I mean, a new coach, you're not just going to go jump in and go 17-0 and win a Super Bowl. That'd be great, and maybe it'll happen, but it's very unlikely. I'm really excited for the Vikings football season, and I'm really excited to see what the Vikings are going to be able to do. Moving into the final team of the NFC North division, you got to save the best for last in the Detroit Lions. Wow, did they have an interesting year last year. Dan Campbell, first season as the Lions head coach. Very interesting to say the least. Um, they started off 0-11, I believe, and they ended up beating the Vikings, so they ended up getting a win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drop your LOLs in the chat down below. But going into this year, the Lions have a new look and they have new expectations moving forward. And I'm very excited, excited to see where the Lions are able to take it away this year. Let's go ahead and talk about their key players. I think the first one you got to talk about is TJ Hawkinson. Arguably was the best player on that team last year. Um, coming out of the University of Iowa, I don't blame him for being the best player on the team. Honestly, going into the draft, uh, a lot of people were kind of hesitant on TJ Hawkinson. But in his first year, he's a top five even top three tight end in the league and last year when it was like a little bit of a letdown i guess you could say um compared to previous years i think a lot of the reason why is just because it was so quiet obviously his team sucked and so when your team sucks uh not a lot of people talk about you he only had 61 receptions 583 yards and four touchdowns and honestly that just wasn't too good the previous year he had almost 100 receptions and 200 more or i'm sorry a thousand more yards and tripled the amount of touchdowns he had a lot of reasons for why he didn't do as good as he was expecting and that's mainly because the lions sucked and jared goff sucked and everything about the lions sucked but moving into this year it's kind of new expectations and a new kind of chance moving forward this year the offense looks tremendously better than it did previously and even though there's more weapons to throw to for Jared Goff, I guess you could say to throw to, that really doesn't take away the fact that TJ Walk or TJ Hawkinson is still going to be probably that number one target for Goff to throw to. Yeah, Amon Ron St. Brown had a really good year last year, and you have new receivers, but the connection between the two was a little bit shaky to start. But I think this year is definitely going to step up to the next level. Aiden Hutchinson is going to be my second player. I believe he was the number one pick drafted. I pretty sure unless it was number two and I'm just tripping right now let me take a look on that and fact check myself and see if I'm right it was the number two pick uh, I was thinking he was gonna get drafted number one by the Jaguars and he didn't but still the Lions were so happy to get Aiden Hutchinson he definitely was needed on the defensive side for the Lions tremendous built I guess you could say six seven 264 pounds of pure like muscle very fast defensive end he's gonna get into the backfield very fast and that's going to be very huge for the Lions this year I'm really excited to see how he kind of transitions into the game moving forward, and I'm very curious to see how successful he's going to be. There's a lot of area of concern with Hutchinson, and I think the biggest reason for that is just because he's a rookie and kind of new and entering the league. I would be curious, too, to see what happens as far as the Lions' defense is concerned. It's a little shaky, to say the least. Um, maybe it's more than a little shaky. Maybe it's really shaky. And that might be good for Aiden Hutchinson in the terms of kind of sticking out and showing and showcasing his talent, but bad in terms for overall success in the Lions team. And some of the blame might be put on him, which would unnecessarily be put on him. It's just kind of one of those positions that you'd be in as far as that is concerned. Okuda right now is slated to be the backup quarterback. So even the young talent that they have, 
previously is not kind of put up to their um, area of concern. The only good thing for the Lions as far as defense is concerned is the fact that the other offenses honestly are not good in the NFC North besides the Vikings. The Packers is going to be good no matter what, but there is a little bit of concern as far as passing game, and then the Bears' offense is just horrible. So the Lions do have a chance, especially when they're playing the divisional teams. When they go and play other conferences, or not conferences, other divisions, is where that area of concern does come into play. But I like Aiden Hutchinson this year. I had him as my number one overall player in this year's draft class. And finally, Amon Ron St. Brown really broke out of the scene last year. Kind of similar situation um, that I was just talking about with Aiden Hutchinson is the fact that there was really nobody else on that Detroit Lions team that really had any other chance, I guess you could say, of being a good team, if, if we're going to be honest with ourselves. Amaran St. Brown had 90 receptions, 912 yards, and five touchdowns. This year, I'm expecting that to be 100 receptions, over 1,000 yards, and seven or eight touchdowns. Really broke out as the year progressed, and Jared Goff realized that he's got a really good target and a really good option to throw to. And again, what I mentioned previously, and I'll continue to mention, is every quarterback needs that one reliable option to throw to. And it looks like Amaran St. Brown is the option for Jared Goff. Very excited to see what he's going to do for the Lions offense this year. As far as key draft players concerned, I think it's obvious. It's Jamison Williams, wide receiver out of Alabama. Yeah, he tore his ACL. There's concern with that. But I hate when kind of people jump to the conclusion that just because you tear your ACL, especially going into the draft, that it's kind of one of those things that you should avoid. I mean, yeah, it's an area of concern, but you don't have to completely avoid it. And here's why. No matter what, he's going to be a good player. Well, I guess I can't say no matter what, he's going to be a good player. In my opinion, no matter what, he's going to be a good player. Sure, it's going to take him time to get adjusted to the NFL, yeah. But he comes from a prestigious school that's known for developing good NFL players. And on top of that, he was arguably the best wide receiver in the draft class before his ACL injury. And, you know, coming from the year before where Devonta Adams won the Heisman, he's doing fine his rookie year. I wouldn't be surprised if Jameson Williams bounces back and has success. Now, again, it might get him a little adjusted to get the NFL, but speed is concerned. He's one of the fastest young wide receivers in the game. Tremendous catching ability. He's very lengthy. He's literally a Devontae Smith 2.0, in my opinion. So expect great things from him. And it gives Jared Goff a, another option to throw to. Sticking with wide receivers again in this wide receiver heavy offseason division, DJ Chark is going to be my second key player for the Lions, or I guess I should say the free agent key player uh, for the Detroit Lions this year. DJ Chark coming from the Jags, which, again, not known for having a good offense last year. This year, however, he kind of gets thrown into a decently good offense, which, honestly, I never thought I'd say about the Detroit Lions. In reality, it's true. They have tons of young talent, and DJ Chark is getting thrown right into that mix off the get-go, which is actually very exciting if you're a Lions fan because you really haven't had too much to cheer about in previous years. Chark's still young, too. Um, obviously missed pretty much all of last year, last season. Seven receptions, 154 yards, and two touchdowns. I'm really excited to see. You see those stats that he had last year. It honestly epitomizes of his downfield presence and his, down, or his ability to get downfield. And that could be good, but also, too, I think um, he's going to have a good time um, getting those short routes, too. But definitely he's a long, long route talent, and I'm excited to see how the Lions are able to utilize his uh, ability this season. Moving as well to my bust, it's going to be Alex Anzalone. I've never been a big Alex Anzalone fan. The defensive side, like I said, is brutal for the Lions this year. Anzalone entering his sixth or fifth NFL season, rather. Honestly, pretty bad year last year, in my opinion. Um, only 49 tackles and one sack. Granted, he's a linebacker and not known for jumping off the page as far as stats sheet's concerned. This year, however, I feel like the Lions defense is going to be very struggling, and it'll be very curious to see how the Lions are able to kind of transition from a struggling defense um, as the season goes on. I'd also be curious to see what's going to happen with the Lions' um, safeties and cornerbacks just because a lot of, like I mentioned, areas look weak. I'm just not excited to see how the Lions um, are, are going to be playing this year. But there is optimism, that's for sure, and you can always have optimism if you have Alex Anzalone playing that position. I just don't see that happening this year. Sleeper, DeAndre Swift. Very interesting player in DeAndre Swift, to say the least. DeAndre Swift, interesting career. Um, again, very good pass-catching player. The Lions had always struggled to get a good rusher, and they still continue to struggle to do that, mainly because they just don't have a good offensive line, and that's really hard to do when you're trying to establish a running game. 
it's obvious everybody knows that but you really don't understand until time goes on about how hard it is for um running backs to run with a bad offensive line we'll see what happens this year um the offensive line kind of is in the rebuilding phases and that's acceptable the only thing is how acceptable will it be i don't know the running game is what scares me but sleeper is concerned fantasy owners you got to be high on him um because i think his ppr game is definitely going to be top notch and um, it's going to be very exciting to see and then my team mvp is going to be tj hawkinson whether you want to put it there or not at the end of the day tj hawkinson is the best player overall on that team and I'm very excited to see what's going to happen for the TJ Hawkinson this year, especially starting his first year very good, second year pretty bad, and now third year um, hopefully is going to be good and moving in the right trend forward for the Lions this year. Honestly, I think it'll be Jared Goff's number one target, and that's huge to do as time moves on. Three keys to success. Play around your young talent. That one's pretty obvious. Um, I'd love to see the Lions utilize those young pieces they have on that team. Um, that includes, you know, the wide receiver position, even the defensive side, Aiden Hutchinson, Jeff Okuda, even though he's not really playing right now. Um, I'd be curious to see how they get utilized, too, and uh, be very curious to see what they're going to be able to do as far as success is concerned. I put defense, hold them in the game. The defense doesn't have to be great. The defense does have to hold them in the game if they won't have any chance of surviving. That's definitely going to be a big area of concern is will the defense be able to survive? And then be better than previous Lions teams, which honestly is not hard to do um, if you look at the grand scheme of things. But if they're able to do that, uh, then the Lions, even if they don't make the playoffs, are improving. And that's something as Lions fans that you should be extremely grateful for. As far as record and division placements concerned, I'm going to go with 6-11 and 11 and finishing third in the division. I don't think they're going to come anywhere close to winning the division or even making the playoffs, even though for some reason people are expecting Lions to do really good. You know, again, a lot of young talent. Um, it's going to take at least a year to overcome, and maybe eventually, um, as the years progress, there is going to be an area for success. I just don't see it happening this year, but that doesn't mean I don't think they're going to be good this year overall. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of The Truth. I hope you guys did enjoy it. If you guys did, make sure you like, share, comment, whatever you guys do. I think we have the AFC South next if i'm not mistaken i could be wrong so don't jump to conclusions on that one but we'll see what happens another very interesting division show i'm really excited to see how the nfc north plays out this year make sure you follow the truth on twitter at the truth as one to stay up to date with the latest information regarding the truth including podcast dates podcast uploads and other important information and value i know you do not want to miss and until next time it is your host the one you love the most niall hassan signing out peace take care and good night